Welcome to Redeemer Lives, Redeemer Lives, a podcast by and about the spirituality of the richly diverse Milwaukee Christians who are all connected to little old Redeemer Church in the heart of the city on Wisconsin Avenue. I'm Lisa Bates Froyland, pastor of Redeemer, and since 2011, I've been on a journey with the incredible people you'll meet on this podcast each week. I always say there are no dull people at Redeemer, and thanks be to God for that. Even during this pandemic, our Redeemer lives, and we are living our Redeemer lives. This week's episode, Music in Response to Murder. In the early hours of Friday, March 29th, Johnny Smith, also known as Tennessee, was bludgeoned to death in his sleeping bag on the east steps of our church. I remember the events and the feelings of those days vividly. As a church, our response needed to reflect our faith and send a distinct message to the neighborhood. And part of the response was worship. Sunday morning was just 48 hours from the time we were starting to get our heads together about all that had happened. And of course, especially for Lutherans, music would need to be a key part of the response. It just so happened that scheduled as a substitute musician for that day was Jeff Bray, who had only been with us maybe one or two occasions uh, before that, but we had already established an amazing collaborative relationship around preparing uh, music and liturgy for worship. And we had gotten together earlier that week, maybe even the previous week, to plan for the upcoming Sunday, where the gospel text was the prodigal son. So we had things planned, but Jeff didn't know about the murder on our steps on Friday. And I didn't call him until Saturday. So the night before, he learned a little bit more about what he would be walking into the next day. At that time, I think I was also asking whether he would play music for a public prayer vigil that we were planning to host on those same East Steps right after worship, open to the entire neighborhood. So, We were puzzling about how does a community of faith respond musically to a murder on its own doorstep. And so that's what we're exploring today. And my guest is Jeff Bray. Thanks for being with us. Oh, you're most welcome. Jeff Bray is owner-operator of Handy Jeff, a carpentry and remodeling company. But that uh, barely scratches the surface of who he is. Uh, Here's his description on LinkedIn. A true Renaissance man, father, husband, musician, artist, baker, friend, spiritual pilgrim, lover of nature, carpenter, home remodeler. He sees his life work as more than what he does just to earn money. It's more about learning about himself in an effort to serve the world and its needs. So thanks, Jeff, for the conversation we are about to have, and thanks for being here. The first thing I've been asking every guest, especially in the context of this ongoing pandemic, is how is it with your soul, and what is your ongoing conversation with God like these days? Um, I would say that the pandemic has been a pretty heavy challenge. Uh, it's been uh, it's been a struggle to not watch the news so much. Uh, there's something, I, I think I've heard it on Facebook talking about kind of like doomsday scrolling. Uh, I think the same thing can be done by just constantly watching the news and it just sort of the the meta 
drama of the world, not just with the pandemic, but with the racial strife, uh, with the Jacob Blake stuff, with the, all of the the, the, the racial um, things that have happened with, uh, over the last like six to eight months. Um, and then just the political milieu of, of the divisiveness and the polarity in our politics, all of that takes a toll on just being sort of addicted to the news. I've had to unplug a little bit. Um, I have uh, begun a, a discipline this past week or so of hobbling around my neighborhood. I'm uh, dealing with a knee, knee problem from my work. Um, but I hobble around the neighborhood with my dog, and uh, when we get back, then I cuddle with him in my chair looking at the Christmas tree and just pray and just be quiet. Uh, eventually, I'll end up reading a newspaper and getting a little bit of that, but I find that just a couple of minutes just quietly holding my dog slash God slash dog uh, <laughs> is a very helpful thing. If I can take you to a time that was also marked by a great deal of stress, uh, that last week of March 2019, so before the pandemic, and uh, you were up to come and play at Redeemer that Sunday morning. And maybe you noticed right when you came in, my energy level was different. Um, there were more people in the sanctuary than usual. There what were. was going through your mind as a music leader that day? Ah, uh, Wow. I mean, part of being a music a, a music minister, and I, I and I make a delineation between music minister, is that how does one serve ministry ministerio? How does one serve with music? And so, I come in. I mean, I'm a pretty intuitive guy, and then I could obviously tell that you were distraught. I could tell that there was sort of an energy in the place, and then it's. It's, it's to me the the I don't think I consciously asked a question, but but what was going I think through my soul was like, okay, there's 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 been something seriously bad that has happened to this community. How can I help? So stepping into a place of of just service of how can I how can I help? And um, I do remember call, you calling me. Saturday afternoon before the service and asking me if I'd play and and I was kind of incredulous I was like you I didn't hear about the murder of Tennessee and uh and so then as that kind of sunk in um I just I just said Lord just let me use use me as a as a vessel to let something good come out of this and so that was that was my, my that was my head slash heart space coming into that Sunday morning we had a song that was already planned. Oh, we did. Um, tell us a little bit about that song. Well, um, it's, a, it's a beautiful song. It's written by a good friend of mine who is a, an Episcopal pastor. His brother, Sam Hensley, wrote a beautiful, beautiful, folky-sounding tune called The Prodigal Son. And, um, God, I wish we had little snippets of it to, to play, but maybe it's somewhere it's recorded but it's a gorgeous song because it talks uh, not from the perspective of either the older son or the prodigal son, the, the, the son that, that drifts away. It talks about the emotional trauma of that whole relationship for the father or for God. And so I can only imagine 
that just that you know the 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 beauty of that service was that we had planned to do the the prodigal son and then when uh the guys that got up to to do the dramatic enactment of that did that we interspersed it with segments of the song and that song spoke to the anguish of the father of why do you have to leave why why do you have to do this and um it was so poignant for the for to recognize Tennessee as the prodigal son come home to the father in death in this murder and it was it's it was a really powerful moment to be able to sing that and to be present to that and to be present to the energy of how that was received by your congregation. Yeah, and and so it was preaching to me in that moment, um, probably the most emotional worship service of my life that mm-hmm. day. And so when you sang, Welcome Home, My Prodigal Son, or something like that, I was just imagining that that was God welcoming <clears throat> Johnny, Tennessee, mm-hmm. after mm-hmm. a long and difficult journey that he had on earth with all kinds of complications and problems and challenges along the way. Sure. So that was incredible. And at the conclusion of the service, um, we packed everything up and we quickly moved out to the East Steps. And uh, you took a seat on the stone steps, just feet from where Johnny's life was taken. And you had a guitar in your hand. And you led us in a song there too, right? And what was interesting about that, if I'm not, it's like good. It was goodness. Uh, goodness cannot like be subordinated to evil. Goodness is stronger than goodness evil. Goodness is stronger, Love is stronger than, evil. than hate. And, yeah. and wasn't that a Desmond Tutu? His poem set to music. Yeah. Right. So uh, yeah, I mean, I had honestly, I had never heard that song prior to showing up uh, uh, that Sunday morning. And so I, th- I would say that there was some sort of like spiritual energy running through that I was able to sing that song and sing it the way I did uh, with the guitar out on the steps in front of the news cameras, in front of the, all of the people gathered. I know that there were like the, the street angels yeah, that showed up, the street angel ministry showed up. And so... Um, to 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 be able to sing that in a strong voice and to and to you know to proclaim that you know that goodness is stronger than evil you know it's love is stronger than hate is that was a powerful statement too um that was the message that I wanted our church to be sending to the neighborhood and to the city as a whole and anyone else who would look in and point to the murder as a sign that there was something wrong or bad with our neighborhood or that somehow that had dirtied the church. That's what I really didn't want people thinking. Um, Tennessee was sleeping there because he had no other choice. And it became a place where he had slept many nights, as I found out later, and um, in safety. And just that one time, um, that one time, it, it wasn't a safe place for him that morning. But he had come to the church Um, seeking refuge. So after that, uh, the way I operate, unfortunately, is that when I see that something good is coming out of something difficult, I just keep asking. And so I had a phone call from the, uh, the funeral director of the home that's right next to us, Brett Funeral Home. And, uh, he said to me, um, 
Pastor Lisa, I didn't ask your permission before this because I knew you would say yes, but would you host a memorial service for Johnny Smith um, and open it to the public this coming Friday? And I said, well, you don't need to hear me say yes because I've said yes. And so then I needed a musician again, and there was only one person that I really wanted at the piano because I could tell that you had connected with his story and with our journey of, of mourning what had happened, but also celebrating that this was God's beloved child who was as deserving as anyone of a beautiful and moving tribute. And so we worked on music again for the memorial service that coming Friday, and mm-hmm. uh, you created something brand new. Yeah, I mean, um, we, we, one thing we did do, I know, that we, is that we reprised the prodigal son. We did that as like the prelude. We did. Because I, I, that, I felt like that was an important song to reprise. One, because it was so fresh in the, in the consciousness of the, uh, the congregation. And so that so many of your parishioners came to that funeral service um, to bear witness to Johnny. Um, But then um, we had talked a lot about doing some Tizé-like kind of interweaving uh, Jesus Loves Me with uh, Jesus Loves Me, This I Know, the, the the, the child hymn. And Jesus remembered me coming to your kingdom. Because at the time, I believe we were still in Lent. So that, um, you know, so we were in that space of, you know, that kind of, of spirituality. You know, so we were, we're, we're preparing for Jesus' entry into Jerusalem, into the kingdom. So um, it, it was an interesting blend. You know, I, I'm all about the mashup. Um, Mashups are interesting because you can bring different energies in and then create a new energy out of it. Uh, and so for Johnny's funeral, I felt like it was bringing this sense of baptismal purity into Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom, which was the words, the scriptural words of the thief next to Jesus on the cross. And so you have this spiritual emergent um, um, confluence of purity and you know the humanness like the the dirt that we as humans pick up in our in our lives but then the beautiful kind of purity that we also have from our you know the reality that we are children of god and so i think it was it was a it was a neat mashup it came together people participated in it um, I don't claim any sort of, I just happened to ha- come to the idea to mash it up. And I, I think it served the purpose. And that brings me to kind of my lo- larger question <clears throat> for this whole podcast. Um, you're someone with a great deal of religious training and preparation and then music ministry as well. Just wondering if you could put into a few words, why do you think that music can, can meet a moment for something like that week of ministry that we shared? Well, not to sound trite, but it, I've heard it said that singing or is prayer times two. Um, but if you think about when a congregation can come in and sing a, a, a hymn 
or a song in unison, the you're essentially you're cementing that congregation, everybody coming in at their own space in their own heart, head, physical body space, you know, damaged, wounded, hurt, you know, loving. You're bringing those people and coming in, and then when we join together in unison song, then there's a unity just very much as we do when we celebrate the Eucharist. So it's the same thing when we celebrate the liturgy of the word. We all hear those words. We all eat of the body and drink of the blood of Christ. We all sing this same song. So essentially, it comes down to the word of unity. It's a relational thing. Music is relational. And finally, I ask everyone this question at the end, too. And, and knowing you've only played at Redeemer a handful of times, uh, yet there, there's been a mutually strong impact whenever you are at the keyboard and behind the mic. And uh, you also attended an outdoor worship in Redeemer's parking lot uh, this fall. You know, out of the whole constellation, can you share a favorite Redeemer memory before you go? Favorite Redeemer memory? Um yeah, I mean, the, my favorite Redeemer memory um, was at that liturgy in the parking lot uh, just not so long ago, like might have been like a month or five weeks ago. I do vis- viscerally, re- I've had a really hard time participating in virtual church. Um, for me, there's so much cognitive dissonance to be able to attend you know, something on a video screen where so much of the experience of being there is about hugging people, is about being present, like physically present. It's about experiencing the real presence of, mm. of Christ in the sacrament of the uh, of Eucharist. And so I, uh, so it's been real difficult. And, I, and I'll, I'll admit, after the first probably five or six weeks of COVID and we were doing our worship, um, I kind of fell off. I think maybe I, I attended Easter, but then kind of took a break, found other ways of celebrating Sabbath. Um, but when you called and invited me and my family to come for that, uh, uh, that worship, I remember... When you came up in your in your vestments and you started the liturgy with the 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 triune or the I forget the formula, but it's when you you make the sign of the cross in the air in the name of the Father and the Son. And I remember at, when you did that, I started crying. Like there was just sort of like, oh God, I'm home, you know. So um, that's that's probably my deepest, most poignant Redeemer memory, just because it's so fresh. Um, I mean, of course, I have tons of memories of from doing music for for you and 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 sharing that my gift of music with you. And uh, you know, for that, I'll always be grateful. I'm I'm looking forward to like sharing that again. Awesome! I'm glad to hear that. So, as we started setting up for this podcast, we found out that we have something very interesting in common, and that is that both Jeff and I. Uh, were radio announcers for classical music stations <laughs> in our respective college places. Uh, I was at St. Olaf College, and, and you I was were at the University of Notre Dame. 
<laughs> so it's been fun to be speaking into microphones across a room from you. <laughs> but of course, I always liked getting really cool and collected so that I could speak for a classical music station. That was Wolfgang Amadeus Mozart. And I usually was mispronouncing East European names and getting phone calls for it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but I think we, we knew more about what we were talking about today because we lived it. And um, I'll never forget it. So thank you for coming to share the story. Thank you. The theological connection to make, I think, is just this simple and just this hard. Jesus' greatest commandment, love one another as I have loved you. The ministry that Jeff and I and so many others uh, did together in response to the murder on our doorsteps was really an effort to love Johnny and all of those that he represents, the ones who have been forgotten, pushed aside, difficult to live with, and to show them that despite everything, they are every bit as precious as anyone else, including, of course, myself. Love one another as I have loved you. If any of us had died as Johnny did and lived as Johnny did, we would be deserving of the kind of goodbye that we attempted in that week following there's something else I want to share here that I haven't spoken about very often. All the time that I was working on preparing what needed to be prepared for the public acknowledgement of Johnny's life and death, during that time, I thought I didn't know Johnny. I heard his name. I heard his full name. But I didn't think I knew him, knew him. And it wasn't until August, so um, that many months later uh, from March, that I found out that the rescue mission had a picture, a photograph of Johnny Smith, and that I could come and look at it. And the moment it was placed in my hands and I looked down, I shook and I wept and I sobbed. I knew him. I knew him, and I had interacted with him on a near daily basis the winter previous. He would come and, and have coffee and lunch. I'd often find him coming out of the boiler room, which he had somehow gotten into a safe and warm place to sleep that night. And he was prickly. And I had my standards for what I wanted to have happen and not happen um, within the church. We have a we usually have a noon meal that hosts about 65 people a day. But we found a way to be in each other's presence and in each other's midst that was peaceable. And I would greet him. Hello, Mr. Smith. And he would say, hello, Pastor. I did know him. But it seems like there was something that was protecting my psyche from being fully aware until after the public worship services and the press and all of that had gone away so that I could grieve again privately, devotionally, me and my God. Amen. <laughs>